Welcome to Ripstop on the Record, a podcast where fabric enthusiasts and DIY gurus discuss all things make your own gear, with the occasional poor attempt at comedy to keep it interesting. I'm Kyle Baker, the owner and founder of Ripstop by the Roll, and we're excited to have you listening. Hey everybody, welcome to Ripstop on the Record. This is Avery. Hey everyone, it's Jay. We have one of the realest episodes to date. Yeah, we had the privilege of talking to the Chief Stoke Officer, Julianne, from Dirt Chalk Bags and now the newly branded Wild Brush. We get to some fantastic topics today. We talk about Julianne's new brand and her new company. We talk about gender and racial inequalities in the outdoors, the power of Legos, and why flower pots are maybe an underrated DIY tool. That's right. There's a lot to unpack here, but if you're not familiar with Julianne, um, she's got an infectious personality on Instagram and also on Zoom, and she's just really brightened our days and always giving us something new to think about. No doubt. There, there needs to be more Julianne in the DIY world. Anyway, get settled in your car, on your couch, in your office chair, pop open your beer. Here's the episode. All right, Julianne, welcome. Thanks for coming to us today. Thanks for having me. No doubt. So we're going to start out with maybe the hardest question right away, potentially easiest, depending on how much self-reflection you do. But tell us who Julianne is. I am a 24-year-old dietitian turned seamstress um, based in Idaho. Um, I'm a lover of dogs and coffee and just about like anything that has to do with the outdoors. Um, and now I'm, I've just given myself a new title actually. Um, I've always just called myself like founder. (laughs) Um, now I'm the, uh, chief Stoke officer. That is my new (laughs) official, uh, official work title. So, (laughs) I like how that is like a business upfront party in the back mentality. Of like CSO sounds pretty official uh, and to break down the definition and it's like, oh yeah, this is going to be fun. Yeah, <laughs> that's always my goal. <laughs> so those are pretty, uh, I don't want to say conflicting because things all are always connected, but dietitian turned seamstress, fill in the gap there. Yeah. Um, so I started sewing, I've been sewing forever, but I started sewing for my company in college. Um, so I got a dual degree in dietetics and exercise physiology. So I was taking like 10 classes a semester of like organic chemistry, biochem, like really hardcore, heavy class loads. Um, and I just kind of wanted something fun to do on the sides. Um, So I started sewing and it just kind of followed me. Um, After you, to become a dietitian, you have to do a whole like year long unpaid internship. You actually pay tuition. So I was paying like $15,000 working 40 hours a week. (laughs) Um, So I like sewed to help pay for like my gas and just food um, during that year. And then I still am a dietitian and I do that on the side. Um, But yeah, it's, it's really, really different. And I just kind of followed the creativity part of it. I always wanted to be an artist, but I was like, you can't make money as like doing (laughs) art or like creating things. So I kind of shrugged that aside and I love science. Like I, 
biochemistry just like makes me geek out. So <laughs> I like am a dietitian and I've pursued that. Um, but right now I kind of have that on the back burner and focusing on gear. It's really weird, but they do kind of interconnect a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, we, everyone has multiple sides, right? Yeah. So the outdoors then what is your, where did your connection come in to relating your, your art and your uh, bio side to, to outside? Yeah. Um, so I, my family is not an outdoors family. Um, like they, they're very much a stay inside type of people. Um, but when I was in college, I was recovering from an eating disorder and I started hiking a lot to just kind of get outside and, and be able to work out in a way that I wasn't focusing on my body. Um, so I started hiking and then my boyfriend at the time was a climber. So I started like getting into climbing and I just like fell in love full love into it um, and went all in basically. And I've been all in now um, for like five years. Um, and now I kind of do everything. I'm a mountain biker. I ski, I snowboard, um, hike. Yeah. All, all the fun stuff. <laughs> That's awesome. You live in a great place to be doing all of those things. It sounds like, yeah. but if you had to pick one way to recreate outside and only one way, what would it be? <laughs> oh my God. That's such a hard question. It really depends on the season. <laughs> right? Um, yeah. Be, well, I have like Raynaud's disease. So my hands and feet go like painfully numb in the cold. So in winter, like right now, the only thing I can do is Nordic ski. Um, Cause like being on the chairlift, I lost all my toenails last year. Um, Cause it's wow. too cold like sitting for that long. So Nordic skiing is like my thing right now. Um, and then in the fall and spring, I'm like all in on mountain biking in the summer. It's all like rock climbing and backpacking. <laughs> This is very seasonal. <laughs> no, that's okay. I love that. I love when you can like break it down by season. And when you live in an area that you could get to experience all those yeah. different ways to explore the outdoors. So that's, that's, yeah. that's why I'm I jealous. picked Idaho. I'm from Maryland originally, which like you can't do anything there for like eight months of the year. It's too cold. Um, it's just like gray, <laughs> muddy all the time. Um, so when we were moving out West, <laughs> it was either going to be, uh, Montana or Idaho. And I was like, Idaho's it. It was just like this little gem. Um, and we love it here. What part of Idaho are you in? I'm in Haley. So it's Sun Valley okay. area. Um, yeah, Sun Valley, we call it the Wood River Valley, but <laughs> yeah, I'm like 20 minutes South of it. Um, which I, I just love it. I've been here for about a year now. Um, and we're planning on like staying here for the rest of our lives. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's beautiful out there from what I've, what I've seen. I, I think pictures probably don't do it justice, but definitely give you the synopsis that you need. <laughs> yeah. And I had like Googled it when we were looking at places to live and I was like, oh, I don't know. I like kind of wrote it off and we just came to visit family that live here. And I was like, oh my God, pictures do not do it justice. Like not at all. Um, so yeah, you got to come visit sometime. It's, it's beautiful. We're, uh, Avery, we're adding quite the list here of people that we ultimately have to go see now, you know, we got to go to Dimension <laughs> Polyant. We have to go see Ben in Colorado. And now we have to go see Julianne in Idaho. We'll, we'll have to take one for the it's team. A little loop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, we're just like racking up a rip stop field trip. I'm trying to get Kyle <laughs> to get one of those like mega double, double decker buses for like yes. just the 16 of us. And we can like all have our own floor and <laughs> it's like oh hit all God. of our, hit all the fans on the road. <laughs> you got to do it. You got to do it. <laughs> We're, uh, we're touching on so many great things here, but I specifically, 
thanks for sharing your story into the getting into the outdoors and what that meant for you. I also think it's just cool. I don't think I've heard too many stories um, directly like yours in terms of how people get into the outdoors. Frequently, mm-hmm. it's, oh, I've had experience with this in the past or my family did that. Um, but it is, uh, thanks for sharing how, how you're talking about getting into the outdoors as a way of just kind of not punishing your body through working out, but enjoying yeah. that. Yeah. And it, it's been a little weird, um, especially in Idaho. Like everyone here has basically been doing all of these things since like uh, my boyfriend has cousins here that are like seven years old and they've been skiing since they were, could walk like, <laughs> like 18 months old. They were on skis and here I am at 24 and I'm like, OK, like what form do I use? Just like it's all very new to me. Um, but it is really fun. Um, and I as a dietitian, I work in eating disorders. Um, and that's kind of what I've helped my clients do. It's like, get into the outdoors. There's not mirrors. Like you have to Mm -hmm. focus on staying alive. Like there's avalanche risks and there's a rock fall. Mm -hmm. You can't really focus on what your body looks like. Um, and it's just like a whole new perspective to, to the outdoor sports that I love. Yeah, that's really cool. So do you have any adventures planned for, this uh, upcoming year, like with Nordic skiing or with mountain biking or climbing, you have anything that you're, that you've got on your bucket list? Um, with COVID it's so hard. Like I have so many things I want to do, but I, I'm like last in line to get vaccinated. Like I'm a self-employed <laughs> seamstress. <laughs> like no one's going to vaccinate me. Um, so right now I know I'm definitely going to Glacier um, just for a little, little trip. It's not that far away. Um, but for the most part, I'm just staying local. Like there is so much to do here. We have endless skiing, endless mountain biking. Um, there's a ton of climbing like down at city of rocks and a bunch up here. Um, so I'm just kind of still exploring this whole new area, which is fun. Awesome. Love that. Love that. That is awesome. I just moved to a new place also recently. And it's just like a new, exciting feeling to one, immerse yourself in new sports, whether you're skiing for the first time at the age of 30 or you're (laughs) trying out a new sport or just like exploring a new area. It's just like a really nice for me. And I'm sure for you as well, just like an eye-opening experience, kind of like feels like a new lease on life. Um, Yeah, (laughs) It's a nice fresh start. there's so much to do. And like, yeah, it's just everywhere I turn, I'm like, oh my God, like I can yeah. go do this. And I have like this never ending list, um, which is just like, it's fun to live somewhere that you have things that you're excited to go do. Um, and that you can like look forward to. Right. So you talked to us a little bit about, um, when you started to sew, but what inspired you to start your own company? So when I started climbing, I like could not, this is such a silly reason to start a company, but I couldn't find a chalk bag that I liked. I was like, these are all so like ugly or plain or boring. Um, and there was one that I wanted from Evolve, but it was like $65 and I was 19 years old. And I was like, I'm not spending $65 on this. I can make this. I actually have it here. Um, Ooh, I had my mom yeah. send it to me. So I made one. It's terrible. It is not a good bag. She like crocheted the outside. So it's like way too big. Um, and I tied it shut with like a piece of yarn and I hand sewed this like in a van during a road trip. Um, it's, it's terrible. Um, but I made that and I was like, well, I can do a better job. So I made a second one. Um, and then I had all this leftover fabric. I sold like the rest of the bags around the rock gym. 
Um, and then I was like, I kind of like this. <laughs> this is like a kind of fun thing to do when I'm not studying, like sewing. Um, so I've been sewing since I was like four. My grandma used to like force me to make things. <laughs> I hated it. Like she would make me make like oven mitts and like all of these <laughs> presents. Um, and I was like, grandma, I don't want to be sewing pillowcases right now. <laughs> like, I go play with my Legos. Um, but yeah, so, uh, I just kind of was like, okay, this is like a new challenge. Like, let's see what I can do with this. And it for a long time was just like, you know, this is just something I do for fun. I'll stop doing this when I become a like real dietitian. Um, <laughs> and it just kind of evolved over time and like turned into something that I never thought it would be. Um, and yeah, I've just kind of always followed the stoke. Like that has been my goal from the whole, the whole time. Like I get an idea in my head and I can't let it go <laughs> until I make it. Um, it happens to me like at least once a week. I'm like, can I make this? How can I make this better? Um, and that's just kind of, yeah, it, it turned into something I didn't think it would. <laughs> Do you ever feel overwhelmed by all the ideas that are coming to you and the things that you want to make? <laughs> I actually said that to my boyfriend last night. I was like, I need to slow down. Um, cause I'll see things, especially like one of the biggest, um, inspirations for me is I'll see a piece of gear that I'm like, that's really cool, but I think I can make that better. Um, and I'll be like, okay, that needs like twice the amount of pockets. It needs more gear loops. It, it should have a fun color on this side or like it's too plain mm -hmm. and it needs this. Um, and it literally now it's like all day long. I'll just be walking down the street, especially here. Like there's a lot, like there's a huge outdoor community and I'll just be walking around town. I'm like, that backpack needs this. It needs a pocket there. It needs, <laughs> and it's like, just nonstop. Um, so I'm working on like just writing them down, being okay with waiting to create them till later. Um, but yeah, it kind of brings up the point that like rolling. there are the other companies who are making the gear and they're like, wait, but the people who are making that, do they actually use it? Cause then there's people like yourself, obviously where you seem to do a lot of different things outdoors. And when you start utilizing it, you're like, after you've used it for a few times, you're like, wait, this doesn't have everything that I need. And that is yeah. a, what we hear a lot from people of why they started making their own gears. Cause they're like, it didn't have the one thing that they needed or they couldn't find it on the market, what they were looking for. So I know that story is going to resonate with a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And there's, I feel like a lot, there are some gear companies that are really good with like actually product testing it and asking people like what they're looking for. But I feel like, yeah, a lot of the time, especially with anything that's like women's gear, mm -hmm. um, there's usually like just a bunch of dudes making it. And <laughs> sometimes it's great. And sometimes you're like, okay, well, my pocket fits like two fingers. Like one of my <laughs> chapstick, like what am I putting in there? Um, so yeah, actually like product testing and constantly improving, um, I feel like is something that doesn't happen a lot with like a lot of the bigger brands they just kind of like make the design and then they make it for like 10 years and they never change it yeah <laughs> we're uh we're like 15 minutes in this episode and i feel like we could already talk for three hours trying to decide <laughs> which which thing i want to touch on uh first of all i think it'd be hilarious to see if we if we did a poll of like ripstop by the role uh consumers and and followers i wonder how many of them would be lego kids like you said like you're playing with legos i feel like that's a lot really synonymous with like future makers right <laughs> like i played with legos for like a long time they were my toy legos and lincoln lincoln logs like yeah. all day long <laughs> yeah i mean that 
that is probably a similar like side of the brain, right? To people that are, yeah. that are like, I'm going to make this better than what the kit has given me. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, um, I know I can make this Hogwarts thing like <laughs> eight times better. <laughs> yes. like what I did till I was like 12 years old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's another thing you touched on there. I think is really cool in terms of that is really synonymous. Like what Avery said with other makers of like, a lot of those bigger gear companies, I'm glad they make gear because, you know, they get pe- other people into it, but that is definitely the, the piece that the DIY community has such a big pull on is you can make anything that you need, however it fits, right? You know, like, like Black Diamond, yeah. they make amazing packs that are designed for pro tr- ultra runners, but like, I'm not a pro tr- ultra runner. Like, I don't want the same functionality that, that somebody does, that somebody like that. Does. Yeah. That's really cool. You do that. I, uh, I made a chalk bag once and it was miserable so one of the first things that caught my eye about you is i was like oh my gosh like she made it and it looks good like i don't want i'd rather burn mine now (laughs) (laughs) it definitely took um it took a while like i have all of my old ones right there and i would say it was like probably four like evolutions (laughs) to get it to where it is now and then it's been where it is now for probably like two years um but yeah, the first couple ones were rough. <laughs> they, were, they were, well, I never owned a lot. Of, it's, it's kind of funny. A lot of the gear that I've made, I've never mm-hmm. owned myself. Like I had never owned a chalk bag. So I was like, oh, like this is how they work. I like had to borrow one from a friend and I was like, how do yeah. they put like the cord around it? And like, where do the, where did the webbing go? Um, and that's like most of the gear that I've made. I'm like, okay, well, I've never like owned a dry bag like how do I make this dry bag (laughs) like okay well um so a lot of like studying other gear um and a lot of like oh duh of course that goes that way um has happened in the second second hardest question what is your best tip for sewing circles I use a flower pot. Okay. <laughs> I have like a bunch of different sizes of flower pots. Um, and then I have like a chalk pencil and I'll just line it. I don't, I don't use pins for like anything, Okay. which is, yeah. I know very like <laughs> unconventional. I do not use, I just don't sell so well with them. Um, so I kind of naturally just have a good flow and a good rhythm. Um, and I don't really need to like sew anything down and it helps me sew a lot faster yeah, when I'm not yeah. like pinning and mm-hmm. doing things. Um, but yeah, I, mm-hmm. I trace circles with like different size flower pots that I have around my That's house. a good call. That's a really good size. <laughs> it's dual purpose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I can always like adjust it and then I just kind of eyeball everything. Um, <laughs> That's impressive. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's weird. <laughs> So everything that you kind of started doing was um, like kind of straight out the gate. It seems like creating patterns um, all by yourself, like kind of freehanding and pattern making. And that's pretty hard um, and challenging to do because also sewing is everything is like backwards and inside out and facing the opposite direction. So especially for like creative people, but then that's like what I found about sewers is like the problem solving. It's like what we love, but I know that always messes me up when I'm trying to make something from scratch. I'm like, Oh, (laughs) it's backwards or it's not facing the right way. I've definitely had mistakes where I'm like, okay, I put that buckle on like that. (laughs) I'm like, well, facing into the bag instead of out of the bag. Um, but I think because I've been sewing for so long, a lot of it, I can like 
for the most part, I can see something and completely visualize like mm. the pattern in my head. Um, and it, does make, <laughs> it makes it a little difficult. Now I'm working on like kind of scaling my business. I'm at a point that I'm going to need to start bringing in help and like seamstresses mm-hmm. and and I'm like, okay, I have to have a pattern. They, I can't just be like, well, it's about this size. And you just kind of do this. Um, I have to like write out details that like other people can follow. Um, so now it's getting challenging that I'm like, okay, how do I like make a pattern? Like, I just always have done it this way. Um, but no, I'm like, for some reason I can like close my eyes and completely visualize like the construction of something and how the pieces fit together. Um, but that's just probably because now I mean I'm 24 so I've been sewing for 20 years which is like insane it's the it's the lego brain it's your lego past it, yeah it's uh, the it lego brain you. I like know exactly yeah. how to assemble everything <laughs> so your company uh walk us through your company you're you're going under a change right now and yep. um so yeah take us where you were and a little bit where you're going or as much as you're able to tell us about where you're going yeah Um, so I started dirt chalk bags, um, my senior year of college. Um, and I have loved doing it. As I said before, like it was kind of something people were like, Oh, like, what are your goals? What my original goal was like, I want to sew like a hundred chalk bags. Like I just want a hundred orders. And that was it. Um, and now I'm like, 4,000. I don't know what I'm at. (laughs) That was like my original goal. I bought a hundred boxes and I remember being like so scared to invest in like a hundred boxes, which is like, it's like a hundred (laughs) dollars. Like it was not a big investment, (laughs) but for some reason when I was 20, it seemed like daunting that I would ever sell that much. Um, but yeah, it just started with chalk bags. I only made chalk bags, um, for like six months and then I added chalk buckets. Um, and then honestly, within the past year or so, I've really expanded what I've offered. Um, I've started doing packs. I've started doing, um, down blankets and a bunch of other stuff. Um, and I've always used my scraps to like make fun things. Cause I've sustainability is like part of my model. So I save all of my scraps. I just have like boxes in there. Um, so I've always made like small weird things like wallets and pouches. Um, but the past year I've kind of noticed as I've increased the different, um, activities that I'm doing. So I've really gotten into mountain biking. I've really gotten into skiing. Um, I got a puppy and I needed to like train him. So I needed a fanny pack, (laughs) all of these, um, kind of growths that I've had personally, I've noticed that my stoke wants to take me to making those things. Like I'm mountain biking. So I want to make bike bags or I'm backpacking. So I want like a 50 liter backpack that I've made. Um, so I've just kind of been following that in probably for the past like six months, I've ran into this issue that people are like questioning why a chalk bag company is making those things. They're like, what does this down blanket have to do with chalk bags? Or like, is this fanny pack a chalk bag? And I'm like, no, it's just a fanny pack. (laughs) Um, so I, in December, I decided I was like, okay, well, dirt chalk bags, as much as I love it. And I loved the name. It's just like a funny little pun, like dirt bags. Um, I've kind of grown out of just being a climber, which is kind of what I only identified as when I started, I was like, I climb, I climb seven days a week. I climb all the time. Um, and now I still love climbing, but I have so many other recreations that I love to do, um, that I figured it was time to just kind of rename, um, and give myself new boundaries. Cause a lot of people 
have told me, they're like, oh, I would love to buy from you, but I don't climb. Like I'm not a climber or I don't need a chalk bag. Um, and I'm like, I just, I do so much more now. Um, <laughs> so I need a name that encompasses that. Um, so I decided, yeah, in December to rename to Wild Brush um, because paintbrushes, like the artist I work with and Indian paintbrush is my favorite flower. Um, so just came up with a new name that is more general and broad and doesn't have the same like boundaries around it um so that it's climbing stuff but it's also like a lot of other stuff too i think that name um is perfect only because well i've been following you since like pre i started at rip stop by the roll and then it all got connected <laughs> for me and i've literally been on jameson for like months about you and how cool your stuff is and he's like wow this stuff is really cool so um i think that's really interesting that you're taking one thing that you loved probably so much about the dirt chalk bags. And one thing that I love about your work is the collaboration with artists that you do yeah. um, and how you work together. So do you want to talk a little bit about that relationship that you have and how that started and how their designs are getting turned into custom printing? Yeah. Um, within like a month of starting my business in college, I used to spend like hours looking at different fabrics online. And I was like, these are all like kind of lame. Uh, I was like, there's some good patterns, but like a lot of these are just like solid color. Um, and I was like, there's a ton of chalk bag companies out there that make solid color bags and they're fine. Like black diamonds killing it with like a solid black bag. Like no one else <laughs> really needs to be capitalizing yeah. on that market. Um, and I was like, I just want, I mean, you can see me. I dress in ridiculous colors. Like most of the time I look like a blueberry. <laughs> I was like, I, I like having gear and I like having things around me that are beautiful and inspiring and just kind of colorful. That's just how I like to live my life. Um, so I kind of was getting bummed with the fabric choices. Um, so I was like, you know what, I bet you there's some place out there that I can custom print fabric. Um, and then I just had to find artists that would let me like custom print it. Cause I was like, my art's not good enough to be on things. <laughs> Um, so I reached out to, I had like four friends that were in art school at the time. Um, they designed my first four chalk bags. And then I reached out to like two random artists on Instagram. And I was like, I'm never going to hear back from these people. Like no way. Um, and they both said yes. And then, and that was just kind of like the way it worked. Yeah. Lizzie Dalton, um, was my first artist. She's a super rad climber. Um, and I just like slowly found people online that I was like, this art is so cool. And I started reaching out to them. And um, now most of my artists I've worked with for three years, like they've been on since the beginning. Um, and I've just, yeah, it's grown a ton. I've worked with like 50 different artists, which is crazy. Um, and they're all like really rad people. I've met a lot of them up, like up for coffee in real life. And it's just been fun. I just like have made so many random friends on the internet now. <laughs> what do you look for in an artist? So uh, like you touched on earlier about being like new to a sport and you touched on there about like reaching out blindly to somebody. There's so much value to, to, to that side. So speak to both of those. Like, what do you look for an artist, but also um, speak a little bit more about like kind of stepping out into the uh, unknown on something. Yeah. Um, for the most part, I look for artists who inspire me. Um, so a lot of times there's now I'm getting to the point that I have to be like a little bit more <laughs> thoughtful about it because I'm producing a lot and it, I spend a lot of money to get their stuff printed on work. Um, 
but a lot of times I'm looking for artists who have work that I want that I'm like, I would buy that pack in an instant if that was on it. Um, and I'm also looking for people that kind of share similar values to me. Um, people that are promoting equality in the outdoors, promoting sustainability, um, taking care of our earth, all of these different things. Um, and people that are just like fun to talk to. Um, and now I'm getting to the point that I'm like, okay, will that work act like their work is awesome. Can I actually put that on a product or is it going to like cut different parts of the art and not make it look as good? Um, but for the most part, reaching out to artists, um, usually I'm the one like fangirling over them and then they normally return. They're like, I've been waiting for this day, <laughs> um, which is kind of fun. Um, but yeah, I just reach out very I'm a pretty genuine person. So I just reach out with genuine enthusiasm about their work and see if they'd be open to collaborating. And sometimes people just want to keep their work as like fine art, which is completely fine. Like fine art is worthy. It is awesome. Um, but yeah, sometimes they're like, I would love to, to see my art on things. And we just kind of move forward with that, which is so fun. What is um, typically the reaction. So for a lot of painters, I'm sure they, their format is 2D, it's on the paper, and then it's viewed online. Um, and they haven't had their stuff made into a three-dimensional mm -hmm. object. So what is typically that reaction when you might like share what it looks like when the fabric comes in and their painting is on that fabric? Um, and then also when it's actually created into something? Oh, a lot of times they're like crying. <laughs> <laughs> they're so excited about it. Um, yeah, a lot of them because a lot of artists just they create to create you know they're never expecting a sale on something they're, they're never expecting anything but their creation to come to life which is just wholesome I love it um, <laughs> but yeah a lot of times they they're just like stunned and so so excited about it um which I love because I'm so excited about it because like <laughs> your work is awesome it's on this thing it's beautiful I'm never gonna stop looking at it um and they usually share like a very similar reaction they're like oh my god I can't get over it um so it's just kind of yeah it's fun that we're both super stoked about it um I always tell my artists to also follow the stoke <laughs> like that's my <laughs> my thing um I give them complete creative freedom um, which I think a lot of companies don't do. They're like, this is what we want. This is exactly what we want to put it on. Um, I like to let the artists like pick the pieces that speak to them. Cause I have artists that are like, I don't know, what do you like? And I'll pick a piece and they're like, I hate that one. Let's not do that one. <laughs> um, so letting them choose what they like. And then also, um, if it's a product that they would use, they're usually like super excited about it. Um, so yeah, it's just like, it's just fun. <laughs> You have a really cool perspective where you are too, because you understand the uh, the fabrics from like a technical side, from the performance side, but also from like how they print, how they show, what their texture is like. Yeah. Do you have, uh, what are your favorite fabrics to work with from all those angles? Like which ones do you like the texture of or not like the feel, the, the, the print, the colors? Uh, yeah. What are your favorite fabrics? Right now, my favorite fabric uh, is the Airwave 600D. I like been printing on it for months. Um, and I was originally, I used X-Pack because everyone uses X-Pack, um, <laughs> but I did not like the feel of it. Like I, I just mm. didn't like it. Um, and I love, I actually have like a piece right here because I'm sewing a pack today and it just like, feels so nice. Like uh. I love Airwave. Um, mm -hmm. and right now this in 
um, ripstop are just kind of the only ones that I'm printing on at the moment because I just love the feel of them. <laughs> um, I just like a little bit more texture, I think, than X-Pack provides. Um, yeah, not an X-Pack fan. I'm like one of the <laughs> one of the few that yeah. just like, it sews fine, it looks good, but I just did not like the texture. Yeah, that uh, I think you are in short company there. That, I'm glad you said it because we have to have those unpopular opinions. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's And then I have to like explain what Airwave is because no one's ever heard of it. No. <laughs> They're like, it's not X-Pack. And I'm like, no. Um. That is it's probably one of the fabrics that I touch the least. Like, and I'm literally here. I can go grab any of them, but even I don't play with that, like Airwave hardly at all myself, you know, so but, especially other people. Okay, keep it a secret. It's <laughs> like my favorite. <laughs> I'm going to go get some right now and work with it tonight. I just, <laughs> yeah. I just love the feel of it. It's like that nice kind of like hybrid feel where it's still smooth, but it just like has a little bit of grit to it. Um, yeah. I just, yeah, I'm a big fan. <laughs> because you're printing on a lot of different fabrics, do you notice a difference on printing on Airwave versus X-Pack versus Ripstop? Yeah. Um, for the most part, they're pretty similar. Um, Airwave, you get a little bit more graininess, I think, with the texture. So it kind of outlines, which actually looks pretty cool um, with art, I would say. Like, it, it gives a nice dimension. Like, this is a photograph that I have um, printed on this. And it kind of looks uh. like a painting with the Airwave because it has, like, the little greens in it. Um, which I personally just like love um, the different texture that it gives it. I feel like on X-Pack and Ripstop, the colors print a little brighter, um, but for the most part, they're pretty similar. That's great for other people to know as well that haven't printed it on Airwave and then everyone's going to be running after they listen to this <laughs> <laughs> to do that. So it. no, thanks Won't for your feedback. <laughs> People love to like know and hear you're working with it every day. So especially with your like creative experience, uh, it's really helpful uh, to have that. Yeah, I, I don't <laughs> see myself switching anytime soon. I've been using it for like six months now and I have not gotten tired of it. <laughs> so I think your answer is kind of funny because everybody says Dyneema. And a part of me was like waiting for you just to say that. So I'm kind of happy that we plugged a different fabric. <laughs> Hopefully you'll see like a little spike in sales. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, I love it. I, I've tried, I, I mean, I have your little like sample book of those and I've tried when I first started using you guys, I like tried different, um, different types and this one just stuck. <laughs> so this is a, we've got, this is a big episode already. Cause you heard it here first that 600 D airwave is the new thing. Get on it. But also <laughs> yeah. Leanne just dropped a new brand name and this is one of the first times it'll be out in in public yeah, right it's the first time i've ever said it out loud to like anyone Ooh. else but my family <laughs> yes. oh i feel so special yeah. <laughs> well it's so exciting to see you and your journey grow from you know like you said sewing in college for your business to going from maryland to moving to idaho and you just also mentioned earlier like uh, having to bring on other people and train them eventually yeah. so what is like a piece of advice you could offer to someone who is wanting to start their own company who might not be loving their current job or might be loving it or just curious and wanting to dabble into making things and selling on Instagram or starting to sell on Etsy? 
I'd say my biggest piece of advice, which I just recently am learning, is that your time is not free. <laughs> um, I <laughs> did not account for my time because I was in college. So I was like, oh, the material costs are covered. I'm just doing this for fun. Um, but transitioning to doing it full time, I recently sat down, like did the whole spreadsheet. Like what are my actual material costs? How much is it costing me to make these things? And then what do I want to be paid hourly? And how many, how many minutes and hours am I actually spending on this product? And I'm like, okay, that price needs to increase. So that (laughs) one's fine. Um, but yeah, I never had accounted for my time until like this past year of being full time. I was like, okay, now I'm working 80 hour weeks, but I'm not getting paid. Like I'm working 80 hour weeks because I haven't accounted for that. Um, and I think that's a huge thing with people when they're doing something like as a side hustle, um, they don't really think about, how much they're actually spending, like the creating, the packaging, the marketing, like how much time is actually going into it because it's just like, oh, that's extra money. Like I have a job and this is just like my extra fun money. Um, but yeah, your time is not free <laughs> and you're, you should be paid for every minute that you're putting into something. Um, and yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a big lesson that I've learned recently. <laughs> I think, I think that's great advice as someone, I'm always trying to like do the side hustle and I'm always like the kind of person and so appeasable to everyone. I just like when I'm like, oh, don't worry, like I'll just do this thing. But I think that's really important to make sure that you're giving yourself the credit and people want to support you in those ways. So yeah. And also don't understand how much time goes into like cutting the pattern, stitching it, like doing all the little things and then taking the pictures, marketing it, being on Instagram every day, like is easily an 80 hour week job on top of the other things that you're doing. Yeah. Not a lot of people realize like the time commitment. Um, and that's, I've, I've actually started like recording more videos of me sewing and I'm like, here's like five hours of sewing. Um, cause people are really, especially in gear. I feel like people are so used to like the quick gear, like the fast, fashion side of gear where you can get a backpack for 40 bucks. I'm like, okay, well my material is like, you know, $60, like just the material cost. And I'm a human that's sitting there for five hours sewing this for you. Um, and there's a little bit of a disconnect. So being like super transparent about like, okay, I just cut fabric for 10 hours today and I just sewed this and this is taking me this long and this is taking me that long. Um, and really like showing like, this is where the cost comes in. Like this is all of the different steps. Um, and when people like actually see the work that goes into it, they're more than happy to pay what it's worth. Um, but yeah, there's a, there's definitely a little bit of a disconnect between people that normally buy, um, more of like the, the big brands versus small brands. The, the GM here, Carter, told me once, he's like that most DIYers go through uh, a life cycle of like DIYing. He's like, one of those steps is making, thinking you can make presents for other people for like Christmas. Like, oh, I'll just make my presents. And he's like, you realize so quickly what companies go through when you're like, oh, I'm saving so much money by making all this stuff for people. And then you spend like 40 <laughs> hours making Christmas gifts. You're like, oh yeah, this is what I'm going to buy next year. <laughs> my family just got their presents in the mail last week. Sorry, guys. <laughs> It was like the holiday <laughs> rush hit me real hard. Like yeah. you, you got them in February. It's fine. 
Um, one thing that I know that I love about you personally and that really caught my attention is your transparency on Instagram, whether it's your five hours video of showing that you're cutting fabric and just being transparent about your process and what you're doing. But along with that is you're super authentic about social justice issues all across the board, whatever's going on. And you even posted something on Instagram stories yesterday. So um, maybe talk a little bit about your process of using your voice to speak for others who might not be heard um, for things like gender and racial inequality. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of something that I, that's just kind of who I am <laughs> is that um, my parents are from upstate New York. The, like my mom cannot keep her mouth shut when something is wrong. If someone says something that is unacceptable, she points it out, which is why my mom cannot meet my boyfriend's family because he's from Wisconsin and they are like, a, they're too conservative. And my mom is like a radical liberal. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's just kind of, I, I have a hard time not speaking up about things. Um, I, I tend to get very fired up. Um, and as a small brand, I mean, I'm a, I'm a one person. Um, I have a really hard time being anything but myself. Um, and that's kind of what I've always tried to do from the start um, is like, yes, I'm a, I'm a brand, but I'm also a human and this is what I believe in. And these are my values. Um, and that's, a small issue that I have with big brands is they often can't speak up about these things because they have their whole HR department and their marketing team. And they have to have a presence and all of these things. And it kind of pisses me off like a, like a lot. <laughs> so yeah, I, I've always made it a point to use my privilege because I'm a white cis woman. I have privilege um, to talk about these different things and talk about how they've affected people that I love in my life and how they've affected people in my community and people that I don't know, um, and do everything I can to try to make the outdoors more accessible and safer for everyone. Um, because it's hard. I mean, living in Idaho, I do live in this little, like small mm -hmm. liberal city, like one of the very few liberal parts of Idaho. Um, and it's tough because I have friends from Maryland and I have my brother and his boyfriend want to come visit me. And I'm like, yeah, you would be great in the city, but I wouldn't feel safe bringing you to rural Idaho because there's a lot of violent Nazis in Idaho. There's a lot of people that would probably either have a microaggression or maybe even a violent reaction to seeing my brother and his boyfriend or seeing my black friend or my indigenous friend out there. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, fueled by anger and sadness that there's a lot of people out there that want to explore and want to get outside and it's just not safe where they live or they just don't have access to those things. Um, so yeah, it's kind of been my goal from the beginning to try to help bring awareness to those issues. Cause a lot of people are like, Oh, I didn't even, I would have never thought of that being an mm -hmm. issue or would have never thought. Um, I actually, this is like a complete tangent, but I saw a TikTok <laughs> um, that kind of like explained it really well. It's like right-hand privilege. Um, and it's a kind of mm -hmm. easy way for people that don't see the, the privilege to understand it is I'm left-handed. I had to spend all of my childhood in school, like 
turned sideways to write on my desk. And I had to learn how to use my right hand for a lot of things because they didn't have left-handed scissors and they didn't have all of these different things. And it's a small privilege that might not affect your day-to-day life. Like a lot of right-handed people would probably never think about the fact that I have like misformed my hand slightly trying to do things right-handed, like learning how to use my right hand, my hands shaped a little bit differently. And like, I've, I've have a chronic backache because I spent like all of childhood hunched over my desks trying to write. Um, and I feel like that's a pretty good analogy is it's, it's something that you don't even know that you have until someone else speaks up about it. Um, but yeah, there's a, there's a lot of privilege in the outdoors. Um, and luckily there's like a ton of people that are speaking up and doing rad things to help combat it. So you, you use your voice so, so clearly and so forwardly, certainly as, uh, someone that's speaking up directly like this, you probably face a lot of pushback. What sort of ways do you help combat that? How do you, how do you react when people, when people do give you negative messages or, or do you even get that at all right now? Um, luckily on dirt chalk bags, I haven't most of the time I just get a silent unfollow. Um, and even like you said, my story yesterday, I, I, um, I use dude as a non-binary term because I watched good burger when I was a kid. I don't know if you oh, yeah. seen that movie, like he's a dude, he's a dude, we're all dudes. <laughs> um, so I've just always used dude as a non-binary term. Um, but a trans climbing group posted about how they would like that term to stop being used because it can be very harmful. And I was like, Oh my God, I, I had never even thought about it. Um, and I posted and luckily my community, like I got hundreds of responses of people suggesting other things to use and, um, kind of talking about other terms they would like to stop seeing. Um, and I got, a great response from that. But I also noticed I was like, okay, like 10 people left. (laughs) Like, and I'll kind of notice those silent unfollows, um, which is fine because my values are who I am. And if they don't support them, like they're not my people and that is fine. Um, I've gotten one negative email because I donate 10% of my sales to different outdoor groups that are helping marginalized communities get outside. And they were like very appalled that I was like forcing them to don't, I was like, it's not, changing your price. It's giving me less money <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. I'm paying out of my, out of my pocket. Um, but they were very upset. I would say majority of the hate I've gotten is actually on my dietetics mm. business. Um, people mm. for some reason feel a lot more inclined to give me negative comments on that account versus my gear account. Um, but yeah, luckily with the gear account, people have been pretty, pretty positive, pretty supportive. I've got my good community that, um, is all in for the same values as I am. It seems like, and, and please correct me if this is inaccurate, but it seems like almost you've created a, a good community by being open. Like you've created a community of people that believe what you also say, because you've been really open from the beginning. There was never a surprise to them. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that's kind of the way to do it. Like a lot of the times I've, yeah. I've heard people that in their they're so silent and so quiet that they end up getting followers from people <laughs> that probably don't agree with them on a lot of things. Um, and my goal has never been to appeal to everyone. Like I know I'm not everyone's cup of tea, um, but I'm some people's cup of tea. I'm some people's yeah. cup of tea. <laughs> and that's okay with me. I'm not here to, to make everyone happy um, with my gear or with what I'm saying. Um, so yeah, I just 
being open and being myself, I've managed to make a lot of friends and I've managed to create a really um, safe and positive community for everyone in it. After being really impressed with your ability to sew in circles, I was <laughs> secondarily, not less importantly, but secondarily very impressed with your openness and, and just excited. It's a, I'm, I'm easily excited about seeing other people that are honest and open um, and are willing to kind of change perspective based on what they th- see. I mean, a lot of people would, would see kind of do it as a, if they saw it as being or being negatively referred to, be like, oh, that's ridiculous. Like that's way too PC. And it's like, why, why not care a little bit more about people if we can? Yeah, yeah. like this is, the internet, I have a small platform. Like I feel like I have a responsibility to talk up about it because I have, I know people and I've seen people who are getting impacted. Like maybe if I didn't speak about it, I would never, I do obviously as a woman, I experience sexism like all of the time, (laughs) but for other issues, racial issues, um, I'm not experiencing them, but that doesn't, I have a responsibility as someone that is being privileged to use my platform to talk about it. It's not black people and indigenous people and people of color, yeah. right. Or it's not their responsibility to educate other white people about it. Yeah. <laughs> it's our responsibility to talk up about it. Um, so yeah, it's always just felt like something that I've kind of had to do. Um, and I'm happy to do it because I have the energy and I have the resources and, and it's who I am. <laughs> Well, I definitely want to thank you for being yourself and being authentic. And that's something that I know that a lot of people um, gravitate to you towards. And I really appreciate it because you teach me about stuff um, just like yesterday. And you're just sharing information and weighing in on it and something that I was not aware of. So I know that I greatly appreciate it. And I'm sure that there are other people out there as well that do. But I also love just your mentality of, you know, like take it or leave it. And I think that's really, (laughs) really inspiring too, because especially as a woman, and this kind of goes into the next question, like women are traditionally like pleasers and want to make everyone happy and appeasable and no one's going to have hurt feelings. But um, I think that's really inspiring. So what's one thing that you'd like other women um, to know about pursuing outdoor interests? That you belong out there, um, which is like really, really tough sometimes. Um, I mean, I grew up thinking that I, I had to be unfeminine to like belong. Like I was very much a tomboy. I would shopped in boys clothes and I was like very anti everything womanly. I would be like appalled by the fact that I'm wearing a dress right now when I was 13 years old. Um, but you can be feminine, you can be anything you want to be and belong outside. Um, it can be really tough, especially if you're like beginning later in life. Um, like I've had to deal with a lot of men that like to try to tell me like how to do things and that I shouldn't be out there and that I shouldn't be doing this, um, or I should be doing that. And I have to get that thing. Um, but yeah, finding a good community that is supportive of all humans, finding like really great gal pals to like go outside is a great way, um, to just feel safe and feel comfortable. Um, but there's going to be unfortunately a lot of men telling you that you shouldn't be doing that or this isn't good for you or they won't believe that you can like do things that happens to me all the time in climbing they think my boyfriend's like the crusher and he can barely get up a five seven I'm like I'm the one that's leading and setting up this top rope and then I'm gonna haul him up um but <laughs> yeah there's, there's always gonna be unfortunately a lot of 
micro sex sexism out there like it happens all of the time but regardless of what anyone says you belong out there regardless if you're like crushing things or if you're taking it easy like the outdoors is just as much yours as anyone else's for those dudes that are listening and when i say dudes in this reference talking about more traditional sense for those guys <laughs> that are listening um think about the way that you do speak to uh to other women that you see on the trail give them benefit of the doubt and realize that they could very well uh be the guide and not just a person following the guide so if you're out there just be aware of what you're saying and and how you talk to them how you look at them whatever it is they have every right to be outside as you do um and and most likely or at least at the very least have equal if not greater (laughs) experience that you do so think about that so earlier you mentioned some people that inspire you that give you ideas for um, ways of inequalities that you haven't realized or haven't th- thought of or, or other things, who are people that you follow that do give you inspiration? Who are people that you would encourage other people to follow? Um, my like absolute favorite person on Instagram is uh, Kathy Carlo. She uh, is the the host of the For the Love of Climbing podcast. I don't know if you've ever listened yeah. to that. Um, she's like a super badass climber. Um, she works with the No Man's Land Film Festival, which is mm-hmm. also super rad. Um, and she is always outspoken about everything. She's very open with sharing, um, everything from her personal trauma. I mean, she like is so inspiring. She talks a lot about vulnerability, vulnerability, wow, words, (laughs) um, inequalities. Um, and she is just like a generally sweet person. Um, so she's like, up there top favorites i love uh gina danza she's she's actually this photographer um she her work is beautiful like breathtaking i almost cried like watching her instagram stories yesterday um but she's a black female photographer in arizona like her photos are just so moving and breathtaking and she's very outspoken about her experiences as a black woman in the outdoors in she used to be like a a tv producer and like she's just very open about sharing her experiences and speaking up for others um and then her work is like also just stunning there i have so many inspirations i fangirl (laughs) over like everyone i meet (laughs) no you you've created like a band of like you're creating your own girl group basically like I noticed (laughs) on your artist page like you're a woman um supporting a lot of other women in the outdoors um and also um in their artistry as well so I think that's awesome and I'm all about like supporting other women in the outdoors that's one thing I'm like yeah I love (laughs) (laughs) I'm always here for it (laughs) Dina has some of the coolest I mean, she does more than just this type, but I like particularly am drawn to her like macro photography. Like some of what she does is absolutely incredible in those cases, especially in Arizona. Look like crazy. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. you can just like the the smallest little details on like a cactus um, yeah. can turn into something like incredible. Yeah. Um, which is just it's crazy. I like can't fathom how people <laughs> do that. <laughs> For those of you listening, uh, she's at Wild Gina on Instagram. Um, if you need to go look that up now. Yeah. Um, so our, our fourth section and, and final section, unfortunately, uh, we might have to do like an elongated version of you again and just touch base <laughs> on everything all over again. But we love to get to know the makers a little bit more and, and pull out the funny side. So we have a rapid fire round of would you rathers for Julianne. Oh my goodness. Uh, these are all <laughs> over the place. Um, 
So yeah, Juliana, are you ready for these unprompted, completely random would you rather? I guess so. (laughs) (laughs) Get ready. Let's do it. (laughs) All right. So Avery and I are going to go every other. So I'll ask the first one and then Avery and I go back and forth after that. Um, And yeah. All right. So first off, Julianne, would you rather be able to talk with the animals or speak all foreign languages? Oh, talk with the animals. (laughs) Love to talk to my puppy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a good call. Um, would you rather have pine cones for hands or pine needles for hair? <laughs> I love that. Um, pine needles for hair. I think that would be super rad. So it would be like kind of hard to sew. Yeah, it would be kind of hard to sew with pine cones. <laughs> you would have to sew with 600D Airwave if you had pine cones for hands. <laughs> Rip stop wouldn't work. <laughs> uh, would you rather cross water by hopping rock to rock or by balancing on a log? Ooh, uh, log. I've fallen in many a time. <laughs> um, would you rather be stuck on a broken ski lift or on a broken elevator? Oh, ski lift. I'm so <laughs> claustrophobic. Nice <laughs> nice I've been in an elevator. It's not, it's not a fun time. <laughs> Although you would, you'd be like upside down on the ski lift, try to keep everything not numb for you. Yeah. <laughs> Taking the one foot that's strapped into the snowboard. <laughs> uh, would you rather get climbing, would get caught climbing in a snowstorm or caught hiking in a tornado? Oh, oh, that's a tough one. I think climbing in a snowstorm. Those both sound miserable. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't, that was the first time I read that one too. And I got nervous thinking about it. <laughs> I tried to think of the two worst things. Like if you're climbing and yeah. your hands are oh, yeah. cold, that's yeah, going to make it really freezing. hard. Really <laughs> but if you're in the woods surrounded by trees with a tornado, I'd be yeah. freaking out. So Yeah, there's not many places you can go there. <laughs> yeah. um, would you rather explore the ocean or explore space? probably the ocean space like really freaks me out for some reason like the idea of being in space like is a big fear of mine it's like right up there with zombies like not a fan (laughs) (laughs) uh would you rather be too hot or too cold oh too hot i hate i hate being cold (laughs) it's pretty cold though where you are currently right freezing yeah (laughs) i take like three showers a day to get warm I love winter, but I hate being cold. It's a very mm. like straight, like I love being well, out in the snow. Yeah. I love it. Um, but I have to well, wear it's a little different for to you when you're also dealing yeah, with like a my debilitating whole, disease. <laughs> my whole body just like turns numb. Um, so <laughs> I'd rather be too hot. <laughs> Would you rather have a song you hate stuck in your head or have to sing everything you would normally speak? The first one, I'd rather have a song I hate stuck in my head because that happens to me all the time. I cannot sing for like the life of me. (laughs) What song would that be right now that you would hate to have stuck in your head? Oh my God. I don't even know the name of it. It's on the radio all the time. I I get very mad at the radio because I feel like a lot of like the new pop songs are just like really stupid lyrics. Like they're not deep at all. They're just like very catchy and then they get stuck in my head. Um, But I can't even think of the lyrics right now. It's always on when I'm in the car. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> happens to me like every day <laughs> normally normally for me it's friday by rebecca black like oh, my, my itunes goodness. hasn't been updated in like 10 years so my bluetooth immediately connects to that song and it comes on this song like <laughs> every every time i get in my car back to middle school <laughs> yeah seriously 
Um, would you rather be an Olympic gold medalist or a Nobel Peace Prize winner? Olympic. That was like a childhood <laughs> dream. Uh, do you have a favorite Olympic sport you like to watch? I like watching gymnastics because it's just like mind blowing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's fair. How do you feel about break dancing being added to an Olympic sport? I didn't know that was happening. I think they did. I think it, I think it, it should be like, it's super impressive. It's another thing that I cannot fathom that people do. But more importantly, climbing is an Olympic sport. Yeah. And I, I'm okay with it. Um, I don't like the format that they chose yeah. for it though. Um, it's kind of like a not fun, realistic yeah. format. <laughs> you, you have really strange climbers to have to do that. Or all yeah, three. to be able to do all three like well, you would just yeah. Adam Andra, like yeah. I don't know who else can do it. <laughs> okay, and for the final question, would you rather have an unlimited rip stop by the roll gift card or an unlimited Trader Joe's gift card? Rip stop. I love Trader <laughs> Joe's, but for Trader Joe's, like I there's only like four or five things that I can get and like actually enjoy. Like mm. I feel like Trader Joe's has kind of declined. Like their their corn salsa, I will always love. <laughs> um, but they always take away my favorite things. Like a lot of the yeah. things that I've loved. What else is on that list? On on Trader Joe's list, uh, their dark chocolate peanut butter cups. Yeah. Oh, so good. <laughs> so good i haven't been to trader joe's in like two years because we're like three hours away from them um yeah i've lived in rural places since graduating college so (laughs) i haven't been near a trader joe's since like 2018 um but yeah i can use everything on ripstop (laughs) yeah (laughs) well i think i speak for everyone when we say that there needs to be more julianne in the world the the diy world (laughs) and uh, the general world speaking, but thank you so much for, uh, sharing an hour with us today and our, and our listeners. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Thank you again. We really appreciate it. And, um, for people listening who might not know about you or where to follow you at, um, where can they find you in the future? Yeah. So in the future, my Instagram will be at shop wildbrush. Um, and it should be wildbrush.com, but I'll also still have the dirt chalk bags like searchable on Instagram and it will just hop you over to the new one. Um, so you'll be able to find me at both for a little bit. (laughs) Awesome. Well, we're really excited to see what you're going to be coming out with. Um, I know that you have a special delivery coming today that you're going to be working on. So I'm really looking forward to it and yeah, everyone go follow Julianne on Instagram. (laughs) Yeah. My package apparently just got here. It just got Ooh. the email. So <laughs> <laughs> this was perfect yeah. timing. <laughs> we did that. And yeah. not at all planned. <laughs> yeah. That's very synchronous of our universe. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you again. We really appreciate it. Um, yeah. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Thanks, Julian. <laughs> Bye. Thank you.